Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Working at Woodworking podcast. My name is Roger Kugler. I've been a woodworker for over 50 years, professionally for the last 20, and I am here to help you become a professional woodworker. Today, we are going to talk about your woodworking shop office. Why do you need a shop office? Because that's where you're going to spend about half of your day. If you have these grand illusions that you're going to walk into the shop at 8 o'clock in the morning and you're going to be diligently working throughout the day into the early evening, knocking off at 6, maybe 7, totally covered with sawdust, that's not exactly how it works. If I can get four, five hours into shop a day, productive work, I consider that a win. And when I first started out, I was really kind of bummed by this, really down on myself, because it just seemed like there were so many other things that, that got in the way of actually cutting wood and making sawdust. Until I read an article about a very famous woodworker in New England, and he said that if he gets four hours in the shop building furniture, he considers that a good day because there's just so much other stuff going on. You're answering emails, you're ordering tools, materials, supplies. Most of that's done you know, on a computer or online nowadays. You're researching equipment, trying to figure out if there's a faster, better way of doing something. You're trying to figure out how to do something so that you're not reinventing the wheel. You're probably also self-medicating by watching stupid cat videos after you ordered a giant white oak slab tabletop 78 inches long instead of 87 inches long because you're dyslectic. You'll spend some time writing proposals, then writing invoices, paying bills, and bookkeeping. Remember, the ultimate goal of your business is to make a profit. You do that by recording every penny people give you and every penny you spend. Sales minus expenses equals profits. Now that's using the cash basis accounting principle, not the accrual basis. But let's not get into that. We're trying to keep this simple. So how are you going to do your bookkeeping? Well, if you work with an accountant, I would ask them. They may recommend, some of them maybe even insist, that you use a particular software. One that they're familiar with, one that they're running to make their lives easier. And there are all kinds of accounting software options out there. QuickBooks is probably the most prevalent, the widely known. I used it for years, well, probably decades. And you can pick up a subscription to QuickBooks for like $25 a month. That works out to about $300 a year. 
I used to use it, but honestly, it just had more bells and whistles than what I needed. And I eventually stopped using it. And this was also back in the, the Dark Age days where you had to buy a CD and stick it in that little slot and install it onto your computer. There would be a new version that would come out and your computer was too old to run the new version and then the old version would kind of like self-destruct at some point and it got to be a mess. Well, the industry has fixed that with what they call software as a service or a more descriptive term is rent. So instead of buying QuickBooks or some other software and getting those CDs and installing it onto your hard drive, you simply rent QuickBooks and pay for it by the month or by the year. And almost all accounting software has gone in this direction. Everything is done online, in the cloud, as they would say. So QuickBooks is one. Uh, FreshBooks is a another type of um, accounting software. It run, starts at about $15 a month or $180 a year. They have various levels of service. You get more bells and whistles for the more money that you, you spend. They have another level that's $25 a month or about $300 a year. Very, very similar to QuickBooks. Uh, there's Quicken, which a lot of just homeowners, normal people, non-business types use to keep track of their own personal family accounts. You figure out how much money you're spending on groceries, how much the car is costing, your insurance, and so on and so forth. It's, uh, it's, it's very good for people who are disciplined enough to do that. And there's also a software called Zero. It comes out of New Zealand. It's very similar to FreshBooks that a lot of people like. And of course, there is Wave. This originated in Toronto. Uh, Canada. They're unique in that it costs zero dollars per month. Yes, absolutely free accounting software to use. And it's pretty robust. It's not something that's going to, you're going to find lacking. Uh, you can do everything on here that you could do with, you know, like QuickBooks. And it's free. One of the features they have is if you want to receive payment, from your customers directly, like a credit or debit card payment, Wave can handle that. And they will charge you 2.9% plus 30 cents for a transaction for most cards. And they will also accept bank payments, ACH payments. And that's 1% or $1 minimum charge. That's how they make their money. So in essence, they're a credit card processor that you get free accounting software with, which, hey, I'm good with that. There are some other programs, such as ProfitBooks, which I have have no experience with, uh, but it is also free to use. Uh, 
and you can process up to 50 invoices per month with that. Some of the other software systems have limits on how many invoices or how many transactions you can do. You have to check out each individual one of these to see what's going to work best for you. But what if you don't want SaaS software as a service? Because you're connected to the internet, and if the internet goes down, you have no accounting. I'm old school. I kind of like to have my computer software programs on my computer where I'm not, you know, beholden to the internet. And for that, you might want to look at something like TurboCash. Uh, version 4 is free. It has all the features that most people would use. They have a version 5, which you do pay a monthly fee, and it is absolutely loaded with stuff. But hey, I would be good with version 4. There's also GNU Cash. Now that's spelled G-N-U-C-A-S-H. GNU Cash. And it is a free open source software program. You download this, and I have looked at it many times, installed it once, played with it. It's very, it has a very similar feel to QuickBooks, but I just kind of stayed with the way I do things now, and that is DIY. Do it yourself. Bookkeeping's not rocket science. Sometimes we make it rocket science, but if you're a sole proprietor, you know, a one-person show, you don't need a whole bunch of bells and whistles. You need to be able to record what you spend and how much money you make. That's pretty much it. You know, you can go real old school and use pencil and paper. Do you remember those those hardback journals that you used to see in the office supply stores? And a lot of businesses used them. In fact, most businesses used those back in the day, you know, before computers. Well, you can still do that. If you're doing 100 transactions a day, that's going to be really arduous. But you're not. You're a solo one-man, one-woman operation, and you might be doing maybe 10 transactions a week. It's not like you're, you're Rockefeller or anything like that. So you could keep track of all this by hand. Or you could join the 20th century and go with an electronic spreadsheet on your computer. Something like Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets. We'll get into that in a little more depth in just a moment. But what you're going to be recording, your expenses, which is tied with your bank account or your credit union account, you're using a debit card most likely, maybe a few checks every now and then. I would suggest you not do transactions in cash because that gets a little sketchy when the tax man cometh. You know, if you have an electronic breadcrumbs documentation of what you're doing, there's really no questions. But when you start to 
to, to make payments in cash, that can get a little dicey. You can accept payments in cash, but it needs to be recorded. So what I do is I just have a spreadsheet for each one of my accounts. And as I'm, you know, spending money and taking money in, I just do an entry in the spreadsheet. And since the spreadsheets are really, really smart and they're very, very good at doing arithmetic, they add everything up and subtract things out. I mean, let, let the machine do the number crunching for you. Whenever you're setting up a program like this or using one of the software packages, QuickBooks, Quicken, you're going to need to create a chart of accounts. And what this means is you need to divide your expenses out into categories. You're going to have a category for materials. That could be, you know, walnut, white oak, poplar, whatever materials you are using to go into a project. Finishes, screws, anything that goes into a project is referred to as materials. Shop supplies. Those are things like sandpaper, disposable gloves, alcohol, mineral spirits, things that are consumable. Things that you buy maybe in bulk, but you use those up over time. Advertising and marketing would be a category. If you have a website, which I certainly hope you do by now, that website is part of your advertising, marketing, and so that is expensed into that category. Office supplies, staplers, pencils, paper, Things that you actually use in your office can be deducted. Auto expense, fuel, oil, maintenance, tires. Now, a little caveat. The government allows you to deduct so many cents per mile that you use your vehicle in your business. And on the tax form, it, it asks you, you know, all of these numbers. So right away, you need to be keeping track of your mileage, both your net mileage or your, I'm sorry, your gross mileage and your business mileage. If you jump in your vehicle and go to the grocery store, you know, for eggs and milk, well, that's not a business, business expense. But if you jump in a vehicle and go to the hardware store to buy, you know, screws, nuts and bolts, that's a business expense and you need to keep track of that. The easiest way is just a, a journal, a spreadsheet even that you just record your trips and your mileage and you're done. Talk to your tax accountant because there are various ways of doing this. You can use a brute force method where you keep track of absolutely every trip you take throughout the year. That's really arduous. I did that for years. You can also do kind of an estimate in which you record every single trip you do for a quarter, a three-month period, and then 
assume that quarter represents the entire year. And it, it saves a little bit on that, that record keeping. And the IRS suggests that and uh, it works. Other categories in your chart, chart of accounts would be your draw. That's where you're actually taking money out of the accounts for yourself. It's not payroll, but it's kind of like payroll. You are going to be purchasing tools. You need to keep track of that. That is deductible. If you're buying a new sander or a new router, absolutely record that. And education. If you buy a book on, you know, 101 router joinery techniques, that's part of your education expense. That's deductible. If you travel to a trade show, you know, Atlanta, Las Vegas, that entire trip is tax deductible because that's part of your, your education. It's a business, business expense. Meals can be deducted, but be careful because this is one place that the IRS does look stringently at. If you're out to your favorite restaurant with your family, that is not a business expense. But if you go out with Joe Smith and you're talking about building a new library system in his home, that is a business expense. And the secret there is on your receipt, you write business meeting with Don Smith Library. And you keep that. Speaking of receipts, you should be keeping all of your receipts. The problem is that unlike the old days where we could, well, literally have shoeboxes full of receipts, um, the thermal paper that most businesses use now and the printers, they don't last very long. And you could open up your receipts in 11 months like right before tax time, and they're gone. <laughs> they're, they've faded. There's nothing there. So most people recommend that you run those through some type of a scanner and get an electronic version of the receipt. Some people recommend that you pull out your cell phone and just snap a picture of the, of the receipt, making sure that it's clear enough that you can actually uh, make it out. And the IRS is perfectly fine with that and actually recommend uh, that technique. Now, when you get into your building your chart of account, don't go super overboard. You can get crazy in detail. And sometimes the, you can lose sight of the big picture in the weeds, so to speak. So kind of keep things broad. You don't need 27 different accounts in your chart of accounts, you know, maybe eight, 10, something like that. What I have done um, in recent years, since I've been using TurboTax, TurboTax has their own chart of accounts like advertising, meals, education. I've aligned my chart of account with TurboTax so that it is a perfect fit. And you might want to do that. Again, if you're working with a tax accountant, a professional, they will have advice on, on how to do that. 
So that kind of wraps up our accounting uh, with one exception, um, PayPal. You're going to need some way of billing your customers. Some customers want to pay with a credit or a debit card. They literally don't have checks, particularly if they're under like 30. So PayPal is free to use. They charge the 2.9% plus 25 cents, whatever it is. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's around 3%, 3.5%. And coming from a retail background, that is entirely reasonable. With all of the work that goes into that, 3% is, is, is entirely reasonable. Uh, so you can get a, a PayPal account in your business name. There are giant hoops that you have to jump through. They go to extraordinary lengths to verify that you are who you are and you're not someone raising money for a terrorist organization in some part of the world. Um, I was actually very impressed with, with how they, they did that. But you can do a job for someone, send them an invoice via email and just offer, you know, pay with uh, credit, debit, check, or cash. Accepted. But you can use PayPal to generate that invoice. And it's, it's pretty clean and simple. You can go into PayPal, create the invoice, print it out, and then hand it to the customer. And if they want to pay with a debit or credit card, the information's right there. They can go onto PayPal. Don't have to be a registered user of PayPal, anyone can use a debit or credit to make a PayPal payment. It's convenient, and it's easy, and it's relatively free except for the processing fee. So what else are you going to need in your shop office as far as software and computers? You'll probably need some type of a word processor. You may need to send a letter to someone and that's what a word processor does. We've already talked about spreadsheets. There's different office suites that you can use. The hot one today, what's available is Microsoft 365 from the Microsoft Corporation. Uh, it used to be called Office, but now it's changed. Uh, that is a bundle of Word which is your word processing program, uh, Excel, your spreadsheet program, PowerPoint, which you can use to create slides. And if you're doing a presentation to the local women's club on how to care for furniture, that could be very uh, useful. Uh, OneDrive, which I believe is a data storage system. Outlook is a management thing with email. I don't use it. Um, all that for just $70 a year. Or you can pay about $7 a month for that. For business, you can use Microsoft 365 for business. And to the above, they add OneNote, which is kind of a note-keeping program. There's an email manager. There's a whole ton of file storage. There's T2. 
Teams, which is a kind of a collaborative communication software, which you probably won't use because you don't have team members because you're a solo operation. And there's a bunch of security features. I think it also slices, dices, and julienne fries. That's $5 a month and up, depending on, on what the, the features are. But again, these are SaaS. The, you are renting the software. You don't actually own it. And if they get, you know, pissed off at you, they can make it all go away and you have nothing. Just think about that. You can also get free software where you're not paying anything. You're not renting. You actually own it. One of my favorite is called LibreOffice. And you can just type that into any you know search engine and it'll pop right up. It is a downloaded software. It works on all platforms, Mac or PC. And I've used it for years and years and years. It, it comes bundled with a word processor, with a spreadsheet, with a PowerPoint, you know, uh, slide uh, presentation, and two or three other things that I don't use very often. There's another one called Free Office that is certainly worth a, a good hard look. Uh, I use Numeric for spreadsheets and again that's spelled G N U M E R I C that G N U moniker and there's also Google Google does a lot of stuff online and a lot of it most of it is free you can use Google Sheets that's your spreadsheet you can use Google Docs that's your word processor. Right there, that covers really all the bases I think most small business woodworking shops would need. Again, it is kind of software as a service online. You're not paying for it, but it's still online. If the internet goes out, you're dead in the water. I know that's old school thinking. I've got to get over that. Join the 21st century. Yeah, I'm working on it. Other useful software that I like is uh, Trello. That's T-R-E-L-L-O. And it is a free software for the basic version. Of course, you can give them money every month and they will give you a lot more capability. But Trello is Basically, think of it as a kind of a very elaborate sticky note system that you can create different boards. And I have one board called Shop. And that's where I keep track of my different jobs that I have going on. I have one as kind of like a to-do list. And you can make this as elaborate or as simple as you want it. It's very convenient. It also has a cell phone app that syncs with your desktop app and everything works together. It's very convenient and very powerful. And speaking of cell phones, a lot of the software programs we talked about 
earlier for accounting. They also have some type of a cell phone app that can be used in conjunction. Or some of them are actually kind of standalone cell phone apps. And most of them have a cell phone version of their app that you can use that in conjunction. It can be very, very convenient. Okay, now here is a software recommendation that a lot of you will find very interesting. So if you've been kind of nodding off here, I know I can kind of drone on a little bit, especially about software. Um, pay attention here. So let's say you have to build uh, four cabinets, and they have to be you know so deep, so high, and so wide. And you work out all of the dimensions. How many sheets of plywood are you going to have to buy to make all these parts to make these four cabinets? That's where cut list optimization comes in. Wouldn't it be really cool if you could just type in all of your dimensions? Something like, I need eight panels that are 24 inches wide by 32 inches high and then list each part and the total number of parts that you need for these four cabinets and hit a button and somebody else does all those calculations of how many sheets of plywood you're going to need and how to align those sheets to get the maximum number of parts per sheet. Ah, oh, man, that would be so cool. Go to www.cutlistoptimizer.com. It's free. It is wonderful. It will save you so much time and money. You may calculate that you need seven sheets of plywood. You punch everything into Cut List Optimizer, and it says you need six sheets of plywood. Now, it's always good to have a little bit extra here, so you know use use your your own judgment. But it's very very convenient. It works for both sheet goods and for rough lumber. You enter your parts. It calculates the number of board feet that you need. And if you're doing something like cabinets where you're using both sheet goods and hardwood, it will do everything for you. Very, very convenient. Highly recommend it. So what are some of the other software packages that you might need in your woodworking shop office? Design. Some people use a sketch they made on the back of a napkin in pencil, other people break out the old drafting table with the T-squares and the triangles. And other people turn on their computer. And they use design software. Probably one of the easiest and most prevalent is SketchUp. It used to be free, but now it's running uh between 120 to 300 dollars uh, per year. But if this is how you work, well, that's a reasonable expense. There's AutoCAD, which a lot of people have heard of. Yeah, 1800 dollars a year. 
I'm sorry, I'm not designing and building jet engines. I don't need to do that to design a kitchen cabinet. There are a lot of kitchen cabinet software packages that do an extraordinary job doing that. There's also FreeCAD. Guess what? It's free. Just type into search engine FreeCAD, F-R-E-E-C-A-D, and it will pop right up. I've looked at a lot of the free or very low-cost CAD programs, computer-aided design, and this one has the most documentation. There are hundreds of videos on YouTube on how to use it. Just like any of these design software programs, there is a pretty steep learning curve, especially for, you know, an old guy like me. But if you stick with it, you can figure it out. And there's actually classes on, on a lot of these things. Okay, so that's kind of a, a roundup of some of the computer software systems programs that you might find helpful. Again, there's kind of this tug of war with the software as a service, which is a relatively new thing. Again, I mentioned that you used to have to buy software and insert the CD and load it onto your computer. That kind of really started to shift a few years ago. And everything started to go online, which there is a tremendous convenience with that, but you still have that monthly rent that you are paying. And it's just kind of a rent versus own and how you want to handle this. To my knowledge, there are no accounting software packages that you can actually own anymore. So you're renting those other than the free open source softwares that I mentioned, like GNU Cache. All of these software programs operate on either you know PC, Microsoft, or on Mac, which is Apple. We could go on a long, sorted tirade on love affair with both of those operating platforms. My daughter had an absolute fit when she was in college. She was trying to finish up a report that she had been working on that was due in like five hours, and Microsoft decided that this was a good time to do a software update. And I, I've heard, you know, there's stories of people using a, a Windows machine to run a CNC machine. And they're halfway through this very elaborate uh, system, and it decides to do an update and shuts down the cutting process. And if your PC breaks, you can take it to probably a number of different local repair shops and have that fixed usually at a fairly reasonable price. If your Mac computer breaks, those repair shops are getting few and far between, and you're probably hauling it off or sending it to one of the Apple stores and have them do the repair, and most likely they're going to tell you that you need a new computer because it would be cheaper to buy a new computer than it would be to fix this. 
Some companies choose to make their money the way they see fit. And just kind of a caveat, both of them have their problems, but you don't have to settle for either a Mac or a PC. You have options. Have you ever heard of open source operating systems? Most notably, Linux, the Penguin. This is not some newfangled, new age, hocus pocus, you know, technology that just, you know, popped up. This has been around since, well, since we've had computers. Because the old computers operated on a Unix operating system and the Linux operating system was adapted from Unix to operate on smaller PCs. And you would be very surprised the number of people operating Linux. Linux comes in different flavors. They call them distros. And it just depends what you're looking for because they have a different flavor to satisfy any taste. For most people, Ubuntu is the most popular, and there's also Debian and Fedora and Red Hat and Arch are the probably the, 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 the big names in the Linux distros. How does this work? Well, you go onto your computer, if it's a Mac or a PC, it's much easier to use this on a PC because in essence what you're going to do is you're going to wipe out your current operating system and then install the new operating system. Yeah, I know that just sounds absolutely terrifying. You can do a dual system and most people after a while figure out they don't want the old Windows anymore and they just, just delete it. The advantages of an open source Linux operating system is, well, number one, it's free because the last time I checked to buy a copy of the Windows operating system, it was around five or six hundred dollars. So when you're buying a new computer or a used computer and it comes with Windows, you're paying for that version of the operating system. You can buy used computers without an operating system and install it yourself. So the big advantage of this is, well, number one, it's free. Another advantage is it's not Microsoft, so you don't have to put up with them anymore. A third advantage is it's not Apple. You don't have to put up with them either. And one very large advantage is these operating systems will run on older machines. If you have an old laptop that's 15 or 20 years old, those are called crap tops, you can download and install the Arch operating system and it will run. I'm not going to say that it's going to do everything that a brand new whiz-bang you know, Apple machine will, but it will run. And there's a lot of applications that you don't need all the bells and whistles. You just need something that will function. So, should you get it? Well, there are some disadvantages. And probably the strongest disadvantage is the learning curve. 
If you're not computer savvy, if the words command line scare the crap out of you, you probably don't want to go this route. You do need to know something about computers and about operating systems, or, in my case, have a son who knows everything about this stuff. Or a niece or a nephew, a daughter, cousin, you know, so on and so forth. Another disadvantage of the open source operating systems is you can't run the popular software. If you really want to use Word or Excel, you can't. You can use the open source software such as LibreOffice or Numeric, but you can't use a Microsoft product. And there are programs out there that are designed exclusively for Windows or Mac or both, but not Linux. You will not be able to run those. So if you dip your toe into the Linux world, you'll need to learn how to search for alternative software. And that's real easy. You just do like Excel spreadsheet alternative and you'll get results or you know, Linux alternative to Excel, and you'll get a whole bunch of results, and they'll, they'll point you to the, the various open source softwares that you can use. Now, the Ubuntu is designed for average people, everyday computer users. You don't have to be a major computer geek. In fact, it's what's called grandma approved, and literally some of the people who were who was working on this version, got their grandmothers and installed it on their machines and said, try this out, Grandma. Let's you know see how you do with it. And about 99% came back, said, this is just like the other one. In fact, it's a little easier, and it doesn't seem to have the glitches that the other one has. So there you go. Uh, check into it. Linux open source operating system. You'll find a ton of information about it. It could be right for you. I know that I'm concentrating on solo one-person operations here, but have you ever heard of a virtual assistant? Yeah, this is kind of a new thing. Well, maybe 10 or 15 years. But there are people that you can hire online to do a lot of the grunt work, computer paperwork type stuff, that you don't want to do. A lot of them live overseas, particularly the Philippines, and they have some wicked skills. You know, their English is, well, frankly, better than mine, and they know their business. A lot of them have very reasonable rates, 10 or $15 an hour, there's a lot of virtual assistants that live in the United States and are very highly specialized. Of course, the higher the skills, you're going to pay more for that. If you want to get a little sampling of what I'm talking about, go to www.upwork.com. And I'll put these links in the, uh, the show notes in the description so that you don't have to you know, scramble to write everything down as I say it. But that is a kind of a gateway 
platform that you can go on and look around and see what's available, see what some of their rates are. But you could get someone to do your bookkeeping for you. You could get someone to, well, build your website. You could hire someone to do all of your social media marketing. And honestly, probably a lot better than what you could do it for not all that much money. They're not employees. So, you know, we haven't broken that, you know, solo workshop idea, but they are virtual assistants. You might want to ask around just your your city, your community. And there's probably someone who has been doing bookkeeping all of their life. You know, Mrs. Johnson, who lives over on First Street, that has the annoying little little yappy dog. She takes on all kinds of bookkeeping jobs. And she does it pretty reasonably. So what else do you need? Well, you're going to need a desk, a chair, a good printer. Get a printer that you can enlarge or reduce copies. That can come in real handy whenever you're making patterns or trying to lay out something on multiple pieces. That can be very handy whenever you're trying to scale something to a particular size. You'll probably want some file cabinets, pencils, pens, maybe a drawing equipment, drafting board if you're going old school. And remember, all of these are tax deductible. So keep track of those receipts. Well, to kind of wrap this up, just remember this is not rocket science. People have been running businesses for thousands of years. You can do this with pencil and paper. Or you can get more elaborate and rely on your own personal experience. But just remember that if you get some big elaborate accounting software, you know, you're paying $360 a year for it, it is pretty much totally worthless if you wait until April 10th to start entering your transactions into. So don't get caught in that situation. Garbage in, garbage out. Oh, by the way, in doing some research for this podcast, I got on the irs.gov website. They have a lot of really good information on there. It would be worth just doing a little cruise. Once you're there at their site, just put in, you know, small business and there is a whole ton of information on there. So as always, I'm not a lawyer, an accountant, a professional. So check with your professional. Okay, I have a whole shoebox full of receipts that I need to get entered. I try to do this at least once a quarter so that I'm not sitting there April 10th working my butt off to get everything done by April 15th or whenever tax day happens to be. So until the next podcast, happy woodworking.